Welcome back to another edition of the Department of Conversation, making sweet, sweet love in your ear holes since 2018. Hey, um, if you want to find out more about us, about what we do, about who we are, head to our website, www.thedoc.nz. Uh, if you want to be a part of the team, help us put this thing together, then what you can also do is check out our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash the D-O-C-N-Z. So look us up on Patreon. Uh, you know, things are things cost money to run. If you want to be a part of the team that helps produce this, then you're welcome to have that, uh, have a look at that. But most importantly, what we want you to do is, is enjoy what we're putting out there. Timothy Giles is someone I've known for, gosh, a very long time. I used to listen to him on radio when I was a student. He was a talkback host on uh, BFM, and he was around ZM as well on Sunday nights, and then he stayed in radio for a while and did a, a bunch of interesting things. Tim Giles always has a really interesting perspective on life, and I would like you to enjoy my episode with Tim Giles. Hi, Tim Giles. Golda. How are you, man? I'm very well, Pat. I'm in the privileged position of living alone in a safe environment where I've had access to food and privacy, and I've really, as a result, because of all of those luxurious aspects of my life, um, really, really enjoyed lockdown. Right. Yeah, this, it's, it's one of those things where you can kind of go, there's two people in the world. There's people who have hated lockdown and people who have loved There doesn't seem to be anyone who goes, nah, that's whatever. It's not too bad. People have ever seemed to sort of enjoy it. And like I've said before, every garden in New Zealand seems to have been done. Or, um, <laughs> or they've... <laughs> Or they've just hated it. But I think most of us will acknowledge it was the right thing to do. It's interesting, I saw a headline the other day that uh, I think 3% of school kids have gone back and, or 1% of school kids have gone back and 3% of kids in a um, you know a daycare, a, a preschool, a kindergarten type thing have gone back, which says that actually New Zealanders, whether they've enjoyed it or not, have actually gone, it's the right thing to do because they're still doing it. But it's interested me, the number of people that I know who are staying in for. So they're all, and, and this is not people who are immune compromised, right? So yeah, friends yeah. of mine who are immune compromised, I understand that they do, but friends who are not, and they've all got like a Fano bubble, they're staying in four. They're, they're not moving, right? And, and I found that really interesting, actually. Yeah, I think what... We've expanded a little bit. So my my kid's mum lives next door to me. She's my neighbour now. Um, and during the four week we stayed in our, on our own properties, the kids were with her for four weeks. Uh, although literally sharing a boundary, I saw my kids yes. pretty much every day. My driveway goes down the side of the property, so I would get my deck chair and go sit in the driveway outside the kids' bedrooms and we'd just hang out and talk sort of thing. So So, you know, so compared to other sort of, uh, what did Ian Grant used to call them? Lumpy families, whatever they were. Um, you know, it's been it's been pretty good. And the way we've expanded our bubble slightly is we've gone back to 50-50. So, but I said to the kids um, two days ago, I said, have you guys been in a car in the last six, you know, five and a half weeks? And they were like, nah. And I'm like, ah, that's interesting. So we've done, we did that real lockdown thing. Uh, and... Yeah, no, we're we're basically living the same. I mean, I'm 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 not going back to my studio. Um, yes, I've been shopping, but I went shopping supermarket type 
and, and grocery shopping during lockdown four. So you could probably say arguably we're staying in it other than making that single section bubble into a double section bubble, which is not much really. No, not at all. Yeah, I think you're definitely qualified for staying. I'm really intrigued to see what happens as the US reopens and we look at the model of in the one that New Zealand has followed, we'd say that's massively premature. Mm. So I'm really fascinated to see if they're proven right. And, you know, so hopefully it won't be a costly opportunity to witness the difference. And yeah, really curious times. And I was listening this morning to a conversation with a, a virologist who was talking about winter here, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for the flu to get here. So so for epidemiologists, the study of saying what a remarkable time to have a, a look and say, all right, with so few people coming on planes from the Northern Hemisphere's winter yep. being peak flu season, are we going to have a meaningful, noticeable impact on less flu, right, less virulence this winter? So, you know, some, some really interesting upsides you know, to all this. Um, I've said this before. I can't remember who I was chatting to. And for the for the love of God, I've looked for the research, but I couldn't find it. But I've seen reported that deaths in the US overall were down significantly. So obviously, coronavirus deaths have gone up, obviously, because it wasn't here last year. But because there's not people passing around just the flu, because there's not... I mean, this is horrible, but you do need to include this into the American death conversation. There's not mass shootings going on at the moment because there's not, you know, tens of thousands of car deaths a month. If you add up all the deaths, their overall death actually dropped at the time that they were most under lockdown, mostly across the country. So, yeah, it's, I guess that's a similar sort of thing that, I mean, I'm sure... What do we what do we tragically lose about four hundred people a year on car crashes? You, so that's let's call that thirty five a month. I wonder if immediately we're going to be down by best part of thirty five because everyone is at home for a month. Oh, we're massively down, and another thing that we're seeing in Aotearoa, I think since you and I last spoke, Pat, I've um, moved some of my work, and I do a bit of funeral celebrancy, mm-hmm. and it's been really interesting in 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 that sector, um, in that the the mortality rate is, you know, massively in people who are 70 plus yeah. in care homes. Right? And the death rate there has plummeted. And the reason for that being, in terms of what's been reported to me from those in that sector, is that hygiene practices are absolutely compulsory yeah, and they right are well. never missed. And the other thing that's happening is, you know, snotty little Pat is not going to go and visit Nana. Yeah, yeah. Right? Wow. And, and so these little... <laughs> family disease vectors are not being introduced into that environment so you know again it's a real i'm interested in terms of what the long-term impact of that's going to be because it, it's been really noticeable and so it's a verifiable measurable impact mm. and we've seen why and how it's been caused the other part of that conversation with the rest homes that's fascinating but then you also go to quality of life you also go to is it better to have whānau around? I don't want to sound too clinical. Should I be dying to be snotty? <laughs> well, I don't want to sound too clinical here, but is it worth me shaving a year off my life from 84 to 83 if I get to interact with my family every day? Or is it better to, you know, 
have separation and hygiene practices that that isn't quite so intimate to live a bit longer that would be a part of the conversation which I would find interesting as well what people would say I remember doing a talkback topic once where I was talking to my lovely New Stock DB audience elderly audience in, in particular and it was it might have been it was actually the global financial crisis so the last time sort of the economy went downhill and I and I said to these elderly audience I mean if you have a look the the radio numbers came out just the other week and basically it seems that ZB's turned into a 60 year old plus radio station certainly 50 year old plus radio station 60 plus white radio station yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but I said you know to these older audience members would you be prepared to give up some of your pension you know for the betterment of the whole country and a surprising number came back and they said you know as long as government employees and other people who were getting money from the government gave up a portion of theirs as well then yes that was an interesting kind of byproduct that they'd still, they were the generation that went through the war at that stage though as well. So, you know, maybe they've got that gumption about them about what they could do, what they could do to help the country and, and the byproducts that would come from that. Hmm. And while we're, while we're talking on the death thing, something that you might want to do, um, you know, a conversation around is, have you had a look at the fact that the government's running a massive review through the Ministry of Health on the deaths, funerals, death registration, and body disposals pieces of legislation. Mm. So some of them haven't changed since 1954, 58 right. within there. I mean, it might be a really interesting thing for you to have a conversation on around. And, yeah. and I think while this is, because you've got various things that are that are going on, like um, the the way that we're able to handle to public or the, you know, like, so the, the corpse and, you know, someone dead who we care about what we're able to do with them and, and the process of, of, of body disposal hasn't changed in, you know, several generations. And it's actually up for change right now. It was meant to have closed in March, but it's been extended to April and now it's been extended again. Yeah, of course. And I really think it's something that, you know, to, for us to open up some conversation around you know, really fascinating. For example, you know, there, there are new ways of um, disposing of our bodies, you know, like composting, right? And then, um, oh, look, I don't know the correct term, but it's a form of hydrolysis where you use chemical-induced um, water to hasten decomposition, wow. right? And so you get back, right? So um, your relative as compost, right? Or as a, a much-reduced... You know, former, and I just think it'd be a really interesting thing for, for us to really try and generate some thought and conversation around. You know, just to pick up, did you say, <laughs> did you say you get back, so you can get your mum, dad, brother, sister, uncle, aunties, uh, I guess decomposed remnants back to then use. I mean, obviously, it's going to be like soil, something like that, but to then use in the garden, sort of thing. Yeah, it's nutrient-rich wow. I guess that's not that different from, you know, we planted the um, placenta. It's a bit of a human organ that's sitting in a garden with a tree over it somewhere, but still, yeah. man, spreading spreading grandma under a tree that would then actually grow that tree. That's a, that's a freak out. Yeah. Um, not, not legal in New Zealand currently, mm-hmm. which is what interests me about this review and us coming in for that process. And then, of, of course, things that came up around the various religious practices and beliefs and the legality and not of that it's a really fascinating area man yeah no that does sound interesting and also then the cultural aspect of it you know 
it's funny, Saturday morning seems to be funeral conversation. I had David Slack on last Saturday morning, and one of the things he's doing with his company, speeches.com, is he wants to give people the skills to basically spin a good yarn at a funeral. He wants to provide some resources to be able to do that. Um, and we talk then about this current climate, and one of the things that I've that's most upset me personally is the idea of this 60, 70, 80-year-old being in a hospital surrounded by nurses. And God bless the nurses. No concerns or qualms about the, the heart those people have, but not having a family member beside them holding their hand as they as they shuffle off this mortal coil, that's 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 heartbreaking. Have you have you lost anyone during lockdown? No, but my mum passed eighteen months uh, eighteen months ago, so I have quite a tangible um, uh, kind of experience as to uh, a good way to go. It was terrible for her; she had motor neuron disease, so it wasn't a, a good end. Um, but uh, you know, literally family in the room. Literally, I got. I, I mean, I've I said this. I've already said this in the last few weeks, so not to labour the point for other people, but you know, I. Uh, there's something about that Maori um, issue of not leaving the body, and obviously I'm not. Make that very clear. I'm not doing a, you know, um, claiming anything here. But I sort of got it. It's like I couldn't after she passed in the hospital room. I was like the one thing I wouldn't do is I wouldn't leave her until at least she'd gone to a point where I couldn't couldn't continue on with her. You know, like she'd been taken away, sort of thing. I didn't want the body to be left by itself, basically. So um, yeah, so I've had I've had the opposite of someone passing in a hospital with no one around them within my last 18 months or so. I guess there's two things that you've triggered for me in there and and one I'll come back to in a moment, which is um, you've lost a very, very dear friend in the first week of lockdown. Oh, no. And, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in just a moment. But the other side in terms of when we look at the... You know, we talk about the isolation of someone dying surrounded only by clinicians and, and healthcare workers. It's actually the cost on on those people, you know, when people, when they're passing in their care and there is no ability to enable that to be shared, right, mm-hmm. and a good death to be had. I mean, I've got friends over the years who've worked in hospice and one thing that always surprised me is every single one of them without doubt loved the work loved it right and this conversation of a good death so when that is not able to be given by someone in a clinical process when you've moved into palliative and then you've moved into end-of-life care right that shit hurts Mm. right that that you know for, for those professionals a part of what they're looking to do is is manage this unavoidable outcome and man, I, I just I just wonder how much that's going to be hurting, you know, da- damaging them within that. But I just want to linking that too then about losing our really dear friend and not being able to go and spend time with her husband, who's like a, such a close man. We we have not been able to be together. Right? Yeah. And it's been it's been a really interesting thing of my 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 daughter. Um, who's now in her mid-twenties, who reminded me, and she's like going, Dad, this is this is actually what lockdown is about, because it's not just about, oh, you're not allowed to go for, you know, I, I love cycling, right, and, you know, and, and long-distance running, and she said, not that you're not allowed to go for your big cycle anymore or your long runs, Dad, and, you know, you're not, it's like, 
it's think about the people who've been told they can't be there for birth they can't be there for death they yeah. can't be there alongside someone they love to help them through the loss of someone close and I, oh man that was that's really interesting actually you know these, these concepts and then i think where, where does it get us to then in terms of what what connection is and and how do we find you know connection and i got a lesson the other night from a, a mate of mine who um that a couple and they've been married for 19 years now and he's been a friend of mine for more than 30 35 years now but a really long time and she was saying how amazing he is at keeping up with people he's an incredible friend and he meant and she's and you know Rachel was saying, you know, he's so good at staying in touch with people. Mm-hmm. And the key she reckoned was she goes, here's the key. She goes, if I'm going to catch up with someone, I, I tend to go, okay, got to put aside a few hours and make sure it's a long Zoom call. And she's like, I'll just pick up the phone and do a 10-minute chat just because. You know, and and he, he, it may be that you haven't spoken for eight or 18 months, but the 10-minute chat is enough. Yeah. You know? and I thought, oh, man. That. So that's kind of spurred me in this connection thing of, of going – moving forward in one way and, and I think that next thing it's been interesting with my mate who's lost you know the most important person in his world how do I maintain connection with him in this context you know and um, it doesn't actually have to be that hard work or intense yeah. you know like like those little my lesson from Rachel was those little moments and little touches in a text and a you know a bit of a laugh right just like we would always it's fine now we're not going to get to currently we would often knock off a couple of bottles of red wine watching the football mm. that, that ain't going to happen for quite some time yeah but the interactive texts that we would do right the light-hearted or the in-between well those can still carry on right i mean and and above the kind of interpersonal relationship look what we're doing now i mean even though you and I haven't seen each other for many, many years. I mean, there's always been that kind of Facebook, g'day, how are you, sort of thing. And, um, you know, I was a bit precious at the start with the podcast and was like, you know, I only really want to interview people or talk to people uh, who are in studio with me. Zoom has forced me to, I mean, this situation has forced me to go, if I want to continue basically to a digital way of doing it, which actually has opened up the world. You know, I've spoken to, Last week, I, last week or this week, whatever, it's all a blur. I spoke to Las Vegas on one day and, and Los Angeles the next day. And the week before, I spoke to London. And next week, I'm speaking to a, a America on one day and, you know, Queenstown on the next and Auckland on the next. So actually taking a step back, reassessing and then opening up again has opened all sorts of uh, communications and interactions with people that I wouldn't have had otherwise as well. So there's the interpersonal stuff, but then there's the other. Concern around that it's the audio quality, right? And wanting to be in the studio is that what was driving your being selected about it? I think I think that's a part of it, but I also think it um, typically is better um, with someone. Uh, you know, in my studio, just back here, there's a big fridge, and on top of it, there's vodka and whiskey and gin, and in it, there's beers and there's <laughs> there's there's beers and there's soft drinks and there's you know, and like we haven't had uh, takeout for five weeks, six weeks, which has been great. But I said to my kids, my kids are in through that wall as one of my kids doing their room, and the other two are on the other side of the wall tidying up at the moment. And they've and my thirteen year old said, Dad, when we come to your place, can we have takeaways every night? I'm like, no, no, but. <laughs> But um, we're we're going to have 
there's a, I mean, every every centre has its own wicked gourmet burger place. One here in Dunedin is called Reburger. And so we're going to get Reburger tonight, I think, and that'll be... Because it's not McDonald's, it's not crap. They're re, it's real meat and real, you know, it's good, chunky food. Um, and so often when we have a, a podcast, if people need to eat, we feed them. So when Di Henwood came through, he was coming through for, I think, a gig. But he kind of landed at four and gig was at nine and he kind of needed to eat. So we fed him. So so those kind, those kinds of things, obviously, you can't do like this. Um, so it's it's... I think it's the a little bit of the control of the quality of the way it looks and sounds, but more importantly is the interacting with someone across the across the way and offering them a drink and eating if we want to eat and just. So now that you've been forced into not having your privileged choice that you like, <laughs> yeah. How have you found the experience of you know? Is the connection less than you were hoping for? Is it satisfying for you or not? Yeah, I I think that. And I would have probably said this previously because obviously what I didn't get access to was people who weren't in Dunedin. Well, sometimes I traveled, you know, I'd take all my gear up to Queenstown and I did one up there sort of thing. But um, I think the connection is, the the technical connection is lesser sometimes. I think the interpersonal uh, connection is might be only down 5% and I thought it might be down 50%. So it's better than I thought. But I think, again, as I said, I've opened the world to who I'm talking to when I when I started this thing off 18 months ago um, you know I've got a pretty good um, little I call it a little black book it's not a dating book a little book of contacts a contacts book yes you do yeah you've from, got a great black book yeah, yeah. and um, you know I've got 20, 30 people probably mostly based in Auckland who are, who are interesting high profile you know people doing interesting things who all said love to come on not going to be in Dunedin anytime soon so it's opened up those doors as well and to be honest um, I'm having to move out of my studio which we managed to film three episodes in <laughs> we were so proud of it we built it at the start of the year we put all this you know time and effort into it and I'm, I'm now moving out and that guts me but I'm going to build a studio in the basement of my house and whilst right. I'm gutted to move out I'm really excited about the opportunity to you know walk 15 seconds from where I'm sitting right now not have to be in a 1970s porn star you know bedroom set and actually have all of my so, so all of my gear everywhere you know all of my screens all of my technical all of my cameras not just one and be that in my own house is going to be pretty cool With the feedback that you've had, right, and and what you're creating, and you've been doing this for long enough now, what what's coming back to you that's making you think it's worthwhile, and the the reward that you get back, you know, I mean, I, I remember with, you know, you, you've mentioned your talkback time, and you, you went through a number of different, you know, because you started in the Christian broadcasting stuff, right, and then it was ZB, and then you went back to Christian, I think, did you? No, I started I started no. with RadioWorks MediaWorks. I started with More FM. Um, my first right. job was more of him Auckland, um, and then I uh, got married and moved to Tauranga and stayed with Media Works for a radio station there called Coastline FM, which is now more of him Tauranga. Yeah. Um, and then I came back to Auckland after, so I'd been doing radio for let's say three or four or five years, and then I did some yeah. work for Life FM. Um, uh, okay. And then after Life FM. I um, that ended acrimoniously because I don't fit that bubble very well at all. <laughs> uh, and then I went and yeah, did all sorts of other stuff and ended up 
working for ZB for seven years full time and doing all that. And then actually went back to that group to kind of try and help them. But again, didn't end particularly well because it was a group that said, hey, what we're trying to do is make a product that's somewhere between RNZ and Newstalk ZB. And I'm like, cool, that sounds like fun. I'm, I'm up for that. Open conversations, lots of perspectives and opinions and stuff. And then I gave that to them and they got complaints and freaked out and said, that's not what we want. I'm like, well, actually, this is what you've said you want. In fact, I remember a, <laughs> a new guy came on board and I told him the instructions well, I had been given at the start of it. And he said those weren't the instructions until well, I showed him. So yeah, so sorry, you go. No, no, no. It's, it's interesting. I mean, that, that, that's exactly what I'm, what I'm asking about. Is given in each environment, you get feedback on what you're doing and who you're doing. Right, the, the conversation with with what you're do, doing here. What's coming back? You know, like what what is it that's making you think you want to carry on, and the the things that reward you from this. I think um, I've always been one of those people in media uh, and this kind of radio thing of this and, and, and the stuff that I've made myself as well, I typically and selfishly make things that I enjoy and yeah. um, I try and find an audience for them. And I think that's mostly what I'm doing at the moment. I, I get a lot of good feedback about this product, but comparatively this product still, um, you know, to be a sustainable more than hobby, which it is already, but... Uh, I'd, I'd like this to be my full-time job, you know. It needs to continue to grow. So all the feedback I'm getting is pretty good. Um, but most importantly is I enjoy it. I like talking to people. It's my favorite thing. You know, favorite thing to do is talk to people, uh, to not have to get out of this conversation in seven minutes because there's an ad break coming, uh, not to be worried when, uh, you know, John Toogood comes to the studio and the first go, the first words he says is fucking Dunedin drivers and because I don't have to bleep anything and you know so this is like this is this is feels like almost every good part of broadcasting conversations and none of the downside other than there's no one giving me a decent salary <laughs> is there a theme to the feedback that you're getting no are there persistent themes uh, the only real persistent theme I get is how much people are enjoying it. That's really yeah. that's really the majority of the persistent theme. Um, and, and you so know, they're, they're, what is it that they're enjoying that you're hearing? I think it's this idea, and I'll tell you. Even though I've told this story before as well, this this came from two. This what we're doing now came from two real specific points in my life. The first was watching a TVNZ news story uh, on their um, website. And they had, I can't remember what the story was, but they had a seven second video clip that they associated with that story. And I was like, are you really saying that the society of this day and age can only handle seven seconds of video? I disagree with that concept. I kind of felt a little bit disrespected and slighted. I can have more than that. In fact, I want more than that. And then the second moment was when Periscope started and all of a sudden, basically everyone could live stream 4K video all over the world. And those were the two, they, they, they might have been five years apart, those two moments, but those two moments made me think, okay, so now I want to have conversations that are, that give more information than a seven second video clip and it's much easier to broadcast to the world. Now, we're not using Periscope and we're not doing news per se, but those were the genesis of getting into conversations. And I like that we go anywhere. I call this the Department of Conversation because, I mean, we had no idea what we were going to talk about before you and I started talking. We had no idea what the first thing was going to be, you know, so it's just 
information and it's you know zb used to say entertaining and informing used to always be and that sort of i think is the genesis of what i like to do i love to have fun i love to have good chats i love to put out good information i love to i talked about i like to be someone who opens the door for other people to tell their stories i like to give people the chance to share a story that you've never heard before die henwood's a perfectly good example you know it's it's more relevant now or prevalent now because there's more podcasts out there but you don't often hear about Di talking about his um, political leanings and like he's got a mother who's a judge uh, and, you know, and, and so he's really insightful and really smart in that area. We sit there for an hour and drink beer and eat vegan food or whatever it was and he just gets to say things that don't fit into a stuff article or a, you know, a, a radio live conversation or whatever and I love it. I love it. It's great. Well, um, just in, in salute to the absence of your studio, right? Cheers. I um, opened a little bottle of <laughs> an Aussie Chardonnay. Yeah, cheers, mate. Well, Chardonnay o'clock. It is, all of a sudden. <laughs> well, the other thing is when we get set up again downstairs. Did you talk to Ty after he'd, after he'd lost his dad? I talked to him, yes, I think so. I've had, I used I, to play cricket with Di. Oh, nice! He's, lo- he's a lovely guy. Die, eh? die on the cricket, die on the cricket field. Yeah, um, is magic <laughs> in that he um, the most obscure, unpredictable sledging that you can possibly <laughs> get. He just he, he just yells random things, right? Yeah, and we would just like it would just be laughter and conversation with him about the random shit that he would yell out. <laughs> and it actually would often, it just got into the other players' heads in the opposition team because they'd just be like, is, and this was, this was long before he was the, you know, immediately identifiable figure that he is now. Right. But he's like, what's going on with that dude? I, yeah. I don't understand. What's it? He's talking to me, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he, he would just, you know, just add this satirical level to sledging and to competitiveness that I just adored, right? Yeah. He is the most passionate cricketer. Is he the most talented like myself? Not at all, right? But, oh, he loves it. And he makes it such an enjoyable thing, you know, within there. It's like um, he would come out and he'd go, like one of his one of his sledges, for example, that I remember was him coming running in. And he ran about 20 metres to say this, stands just off the middle of the pitch and yells out, we're going glam rock on your ass. <laughs> glam and rock. And then just turns around and walks and just walks back. <laughs> and three overs later, there'd be something else. And going, changing. We're going sitcom 70s. Whoa. <laughs> and then he'd wander back. And the guys that asked, what does it even mean? Well, it means nothing. It's no, just gone. It's madness. Right? You know? Oh, and, I loved it. And look how well that, look how well that's done for him. Die. Yeah. Oh, clever. Yeah. He's clever. But, but you know, this idea of conversation, and I think you'll understand this. I mean, I was trying to figure out the other day, did you follow Marcus Lush on BFM? Was your first thing on ZM on Sunday nights? No, no, no. no. I was on, um, after Marcus, there was Nick D'Angelo, Simon Lahn. Right. Um, and a couple of other people. And yeah, I was at B doing the news in the morning. Right. Uh, and And then, yeah, they asked me to fill in because uh, Nick, I think Nick got a bit sick of it. Yeah, and um, while they were trying to find somebody, 
and they kept trying to find somebody and I kept doing it. And then they went, why don't you just keep doing it? Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. And, then, cool. and then after that, ZB, because um, it rated really well on BFM. The two, BFM had two shows that had rated number one commercially. One was Beats Per Minute, the dance show, mm -hmm. um, which was um, launched by Simon Grigg. And that went number one, um, which was shocking to everybody. Uh, especially commercial radio. And then on Sunday nights with Talkback on B, we, we got to number one too. So at that point, ZB um, rang up and said, hey, come and, come and work with us. Um, so I just did um, Weekend Mid-Dawns yep. on ZB for um, a period, but carried on doing B because, as you know, what you're allowed to talk about <laughs> on a news talk format and in commercial radio and what actually I really loved about having the privilege of BFM, of that student campus radio, um, and that, that celebration of, of an audience speaking what they want to speak about was, was simply not available in commercial radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I stayed doing that, yeah, and, until commercial music radio came and said, we want your, your audience. And by that time, the audience was strong enough for me that I was able to say to the program directors, well, you don't get to control it. And um, which would lead to short-term contracts of between six and twelve months until they believed that the, the rating was theirs, and then they'd sack me. Um, and then another station would hire me, and, and on we'd go. You know. Yeah, it's a crazy world. That I mean, I was going to say as well of the conversation thing. I like to also like like with the dying politics thing. As a I. At the end of a uh, decent conversation with, let's say, someone who everyone knows, you know, like a die head, uh, a die would, uh, but the the one that comes to mind is the John Toogood from She Had, is to have a part of his life exposed that he's okay with exposing that other people haven't heard about. So we had John at the start of this year, and we talked about his faith, Islam, you know, being a Muslim, and looking around, you can find one or two very small articles about that, but there's not much that he's put out there written about about his 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 Muslim faith. And so I really that was even though I don't really often have plans, sometimes I'll go in and there's things that I really want to talk about. And that was the one thing I really wanted to talk about with him. Next week I've oh. got I've got a conversation with a guy um out of and I think he's living in Queenstown now. And he was at two thousand and nine at Facebook programming. And now he's a startup guy and working with small business. And I'm just like, okay, so I want to talk to him about working under Zuckerberg. You know, that's 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 the thing I want to talk to him about. And there'll be so much more, but sometimes I'll go into it with one or two things I want to talk about specifically um, because they interest me and because perhaps if they're a high-profile person that New Zealanders know, other people haven't talked to them about. And I think that's that's the interesting stuff. I mean, who gives a crap about the things that you hear on every, you know, every radio station or every that you read about that everybody knows and that, that stuff doesn't interest me. I like the stuff that nobody an knows. Interesting, an interesting contrast there, right? Where one you've got with John, who's such a, a a gentleman, right? And such an interesting character, but where he's, you know, got this closeness to the God of his understanding. Mm. And then on the other side with Queenstown, you've got someone who's been so close to pure evil. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm interested because I, I I had a little review of what the, the timeline for Facebook was and it actually started in 2004. So um, this man coming on in 2009, I wonder still, it had already had tens of millions of dollars of investment by then. So probably Zuckerberg was 17 floors away and maybe there was no interaction. But it's interesting, you know, he's interesting. And I'm if I used to say at the start of this thing, um, giving high-profile people a space to talk about shit they haven't talked about before. 
um, giving people who have got interesting stories the space to tell their stories, or nutters. I want to talk to nutters as well. And so, you know, so one of my favorite podcasts is we talked to a guy who was a flat earther. It was fantastic. I loved it. I love showing him the evidence of a of a helicopter going behind the horizon and him being stumped, but it not changing his position whatsoever. It was fantastic. I have two very dear old friends who are committed flat earthers. Are you serious? Yeah, mate. Yep. I don't get it. I love that. I love that shit. You know, and I want to talk to, and not, not that these people are nutters. Yeah, I love that shit too. I do, man. It's fantastic. My daughter just came around today and she's having this, you know, socially distanced conversation. And, um, and saying to me, oh, anti-vaxxers and 5G, Dad, on you. Oh, God. You've got mates who are into that. Mm. Well, yes, I do. Right. <laughs> well, okay. And it turns out she's been following a couple of old mates of mine, you know, on social media, like going, they're totally bonkers, Dad. I'm like, well, maybe there's a view and a perspective. And she's like, why do you stay friends with them? Because it's... It's fun. pretty fascinating, intriguing. And fun, what I know man. of them is they're really well-intentioned human beings. And the fact that they have this divergent thinking to me, I think it's quite a privilege of, I know they care about me, want the best for me, and I for them. And that we couldn't be further apart yeah. on a number of things. Yeah, I think there's a privilege in holding those relationships. Yeah. And and I try and be a bit more respectful to them than say when I talk to nutters because if I said that out loud many people wouldn't talk to me who are in that. So what I actively put out at the start was I want to talk to people who have minority positions in society. You know, I want to talk to people who who go against the grain and who don't agree with the consensus. And that includes things like, you know, religion and religious people. I I have been trying to get a Scientologist in. I just would love to spend some time talking to a Scientologist. You know, the, these sorts of things. I've, I've thought about the anti-vaxxers. I've tried to get an anti-vaxxer in as well. But that's probably the one that I think, actually, do I really want to publicize that? Because it's quite a dangerous one, I think. Um, whereas, I mean, the flat earth doesn't mean anything. That doesn't affect anybody's like life in a, in a health way. But in general, I would love to talk to an anti-vaxxer. These minority positions... I guess if I'm fair, I would be saying minority positions that are controversial. I want to talk to them. I'm interested in what's going to happen around vaccine with this this winter where the borders are, you know, not not closed but pretty close. Yeah. <clears throat> and and you know that's interesting. And I'd be interested in people around the discretionary conversation of if a COVID vaccine comes out, would you take it? You know that. that that interests me. Um, and what about 5G? There's a number of 5G people who'd want to talk to you. Yeah, the funniest thing about that is watching people burn down 2G, 3G and 4G towers to protect themselves from 5G whilst they're live streaming it on their 5G cell phone. That's the thing I find funniest of all. Um, yeah, I just, I just, it's quite narrow though. It's like I talked to a conspiracy theorist if that was a part of it, but in general, I want to have conversations with people. You know, I want to be able to have quite a, a wide breadth of conversation. I mean, already we've talked about everything from freaking funerals to radio to flat earth people to, you know, just in this little chat. And if someone has a really narrow focus on something, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. The answer is in general, yes. In practice, I'd, I'd weigh it up. There's something um, that I would like to <clears throat> broach with you and um, acknowledge in you was 
it's really neat to hear that you are now next door to the mother of your children. Yeah. Right. And that you have that functioning whole relationship. And there's one thing about you specifically I want to come to in a moment, but the other one is if I look at one of my <clears throat> challenges in New Zealand society where I think we get it wrong <clears throat> is this. We were in love, we were together, we had children, and then it's okay to call them a complete whatever it is. Now, when there is abuse, 100%, I'm with that, right? You know, okay, that's fine. When there, when there's not, then I think it's almost the social norm that you do not maintain relationship or connection, never mind love, affection, respect, and care. Yeah. And I think that's fucked up, right? Um, and I think this thing of being able to hold a capacity where Yep, there can be pain, hurt, confusion, loss, breakup, all of those things. And there can also be the space and ability, which this is where the acknowledgement to you comes in. You know, I remember you sharing profoundly hurtful, confusing time in your life and you shared it. Um, and then to hear that you have come through into this, what seems to me to be a relationship that's had a lot of healing, that also is now one that functions well for what's most important in this, which is the children, but also for you and the mum of your children, that you clearly have a, a relationship that has respect, care, affection around it. And, I, you know, we need this as a norm. So, like, well done, you know, because, you know, this is news to me of you living next door. And I remember a number of years ago when it was a pretty some hurtful shit, right? Mm. And you shared that. And it's like, well done you, well done her, well done kids. Like, well done. I think the um, I don't want to be painted as any kind of example because the way you sound it sounds lovely. The way I feel about it may not be quite as, uh, um, I was going to say gregarious. It's not the right word. Uh, quite as saintly. Resolved. Quite as saintly as you're talking about. I'm not. I'm not a, a, a particular. I don't like being an example necessarily in this because. But let's, let's break down. <clears throat> I didn't infer sainthood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I talked about was pain and difficulty, right? The the and, uh, what? and then you've created something that works. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. The question that I always have for myself is if I know today what I knew three or four years ago, would we be neighbors? And that's a more challenging question. So um, decisions were made. If you knew today. Yep. What? If I knew, say that to me again, please. If I if I sorry, I did it the wrong way around. If I knew three or four years ago what I knew today, if I knew who yeah. who I'd be, where I'd be, how I'd feel, how uh, that relationship would function, would we still be neighbors? Like, would I if I projected forward and went, is this the plan that I would want then? Um, that's a, a challenging question for me. Because we probably started the idea of that. I, actually, I have to be really careful because it's none of my business to talk about uh, my ex's stuff. So I'll use I statements. Well said. It's well not, said, man. It's none of my boundaries. Uh, respect. Yeah, I, I'm not. It's not. I, I'm. I'm always. Even though we were very public with what happened, and people can still see it on my blog if they want to go and read it. Um, my life is my life. Her life is her life, and I'm. I don't want well, to and well refuse said. to talk about it. So what I'll say is, I was probably a bit naive as to how uh, peace, love, and moonbeams it would be uh, at the start because of the reason we separated being nothing about hate or disdain or it was a discovery 
that was made as opposed to being two people falling out of love or cheating or infidelity or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying a mistake was made. I'm saying that in that moment there, I probably had rose tinted glasses on. Um, and if I knew today, uh, knew back then what I knew today, would we still be in this position? Perhaps it would be, I don't know, but that's, I think me being completely blunt and honest about it. And I think, but when we look at that, right. So we're talking four years ago. Um, four, probably, uh, probably through two and a half years ago since houses separated. Yeah. Probably three and a half years ago or so since, um, the understanding of separation needing to happen. But in two, in two and a half years, you're a different man, person, than entity than you were back then, mm -hmm. right? Like, there's this, <clears throat> everything but the girl had an album a few years ago, um, <clears throat> uh, Walking Wounded. And it was, well, quite a few years ago, right? So my daughter, I think, is 24 now. And um, I played it on endless repeat when I was at home looking after her, right? Because her mum had a corporate job and I was, a, you know, a self-employed sort of journo contracting, um, you know, person. And I just played it again and again and again. But there's this great song on there, which is The Heart Remains a Child. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, and there's a line in it about um, you've been searching four nights a week now for your inner child. Suppose you find him. Suppose he doesn't like you. Suppose he wants to stay up all night watching TV. <laughs> I really love that, you yeah. know, like, because to me, when you say moonbeams, I love it. It's like, you know, that whole inner child thing. It's like, yeah, great. You know, go for that. But also, what if you don't like him and he doesn't like you? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that wants to stay up all night watching because that's what kids do, right? And I, I actually love that. Yeah. And then if I look now on 24 years of um, parenting and the shit doesn't get easier. Mm. I, I, I would have thought that by the time kind of two rolled around and communication came both ways, because I found babyhood really tough. Right. Why are you crying? Don't know why you're crying. Right? Don't know what's sore. Don't, <laughs> don't know how to pick. Whereas a two-year-old, it's like, oh, no, shit. Okay, I get this. Okay, thank you. But what amazes me is now, as the adult parent of an adult, it's like, oh, this shit's still really hard. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm... I'm you know, like the, there are still expectations, you know, both that I have for myself have been that, but also she has on me and it's like, whoa, shit, it's quite difficult. And, and if I look on the context of adult relationships with people of forgiving and letting stuff go, right? Um, if I forgive and let stuff go that you have done or not done, right with us and our friendship our connection our relationship i also have to be able to forgive and let go or even sometimes actually celebrate like you know what i mean like when you talk about rose tinted glasses or naivety i'm like what a fantastic thing to have been wearing at that time <laughs> yeah actually. true right yeah like because yeah. like, there's a whole lot of other glasses you could have you know been wearing there's a whole load that were available right and and I just think sometimes, you know, like, you know, Auntie Cindy says kindness, right? Well, that's not a bad choice. There's a whole bunch that are either available and they're all legitimate and they're all a choice. And in terms of that thing of saying, you know what, I'm, 
if I chose those rose tinted ones, that that's actually was it naive? Yes. Right. Were there other options available? Yes. That's not a bad option to have had to have chosen at that time. And if I looked at conversations, and especially for men, right? How do we choose to be? How do we want to be? Right? And you know, you're a big, big grown-up, long-bearded bloke. I'm I'm purely a lockdown-only beard. I've <laughs> been this hairy in my life. It was a lockdown thing. But in this this thing of, I have nothing better to do with my testosterone right now than this. You know, so here's what it is now. <clears throat> When a man makes the choice on going, I'm going to pick up those rose tinted glasses. Hell yes, actually. Hell yes, let's do that. Yeah. Right. And and then when things rock out later and we learn shit, okay. Now, one thing that interests me is, is if I look at when I've felt let down or hurt or offended by someone, and I have to be absolutely clear, I have let down people much, much more than they have let me down, and I have hurt and offended people much, much more than has been done to me. But when they do, they if I can take those rose-tinted glasses, it really helps. Because very, very rarely in my life has anyone actually really meant me harm. Mm. You know, like, like probably two times have I had close relationships in my life where the, you know, and I'm, you know I've only ever at this point in my life had heterosexual relationships or I've only had relationships with, with women. And but only twice have those women actually been deliberately vicious, right? Now, focusing on or knowing that malevolence or nastiness doesn't help me, didn't help me, won't help me, mm-hmm. right? If I put, if I borrowed your rose-tinted glasses, <laughs> I actually think they do bloody help, right? Because what they do is they bring a kindness, they soften the rough edges. And if I see in the clarity of life, malevolence or nastiness or meaning intent to hurt and injure, yep. I'm going to carry that forward. And if I look at, I'm, I'm what, I'm 51 years old now, right? I've had a lot of relationships um, of all different kinds. Very, and, and I can only think of two times people have actually meant to do me harm. Well, fuck! I don't. So, excuse my language. I don't want to carry that intention of harm, I, right, into a new relationship, into a new friendship, into a new working collaboration, because overwhelmingly, in my fifty years, people have not met me harm. Yeah. And I can only think of two exceptions. So, when those exceptions come, Pat, just send me those rose-tinted glasses, please, <laughs> to get me through the difficult time. Yeah, you're you're a you're a wise man, and can I just say, um, as you bring up the beard, I'm disgusted how little grey you've got in your beard and your hair. <laughs> really, no, it's here, brother. Really, it's just the beard's only little. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I always I always joke. You probably can't see in this, but this is actually my kids tease me. It's a bit ginger, and I always talk about. Oh, yeah. I I always talk about from the ears down. It's the Irish side of me. It's the gingery red. But if I take this off from the from the ears up, it's the background and it's just kind of graying and Oh mate, that is exceptional hat hair. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Come out, can I get a side angle? I was actually um Look at that. I was actually thinking just today I was just thinking just today, I've got I go to a barber <laughs> in Dunedin, uh, and they do all this kind of, you know, trimming up sort of stuff. I imagine how much hair is going to be cut of how many barbers around New Zealand in probably four to six weeks' time. 
there will be like an exponential amount of hair being done. Um, I was well, going to say the, the ridiculous cues that we had for Reburger and right, various places will be at Barber's. Yeah, I'm going to, I've already started to think maybe I'll book in an appointment for the kind of Friday after the two Wednesdays is up. And if I have to cancel it, I'll cancel it. But then I'm already booked in. But anyway, I was going to yeah, say. But then again, Pat, but look, look, a bit like I've done with, with this lockdown beard, never had a beard in my life, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I might've gone a week without shaving, but that'd be about it. Um, what just emerged from that hat? There's a there's a luxury around that, you know, like there's a luxuriance that, that possibly you like it. You could extend this barber free celebration, man. I mean, what what? Yeah, dude, look at that. I know. Yeah. And the scary thing is, for the this is this is only about. I was going what they call a zero up, and I'll have to take my headphones off so I can't hear you right now. And a zero up is when they basically put it into the back and they shave it to zero, and then they cut the top with scissors and stuff. So. I have, um, this is a lot of hair and this is about six or eight weeks. So that's what I grow. I'm, uh, I'm not very, I'm actually not a very hairy man. I don't have very hairy legs or hairy arms or anything, but for some reason the hair on the head goes manic. But look, before we get, uh, I'll, I'll talk too much hang about on, just on this, just on this, my follicles. not dare to resent your alleged lack of grey that you're seeing in my beard when there are men and women of our age who the minute you pulled that hat off said, how Dare you. <laughs> dare you have that lusciousness, you know? Yeah, my old, my old man's the same. He hasn't lost a, almost like he hasn't lost a single strand of hair, and he's 80 in about two weeks. Lockdown means I can't be there, but that's that's the the situation. Just just before we get away from this point, I forget it. Um, the wisdom that you just um, spat that I'd never thought of before about those rose-tinted glasses, because at the time of... This is this is what I'm hearing, and tell me if this is what you mean as well. Um, at the time of like separation, or more so, because when the time of separation presented itself, we lived together for another ten months because we went, "Fuck, let's just sit for a spell." Because what happens next, don't know. So there was actually a ten month window where we cohabitated to figure out what was the next stage in life, but. If the rose tinted glasses weren't on, and that's the word I'm using for me, I'm not talking to her or anything that she's gone through, um, I could have gone, you know, fuck you, bitch, get out of my life. That would have been the opposite. And actually, that would have been really unhelpful then and probably would have made life more difficult today. So the rose tinted glasses in that moment have probably led to the potentially better outcome two to four years later, perhaps. Because it started, it started in that ideology of love, peace, and moonbeams, and it's ended at a place maybe of more reality, rather than starting in a place of "fuck off, I hate you, you hate me." Who knows where that would have ended up in two to four years? Well, even <clears throat> not necessarily "I hate you, you hate me." More, I'm going to focus on the hurt, the rejection, mm. the pain, the loss. Yeah. Right. Which are all legitimate. Right. Yeah. Now it doesn't need to spin over into hatred. It can just be. I'm rejected, I'm hurt, this contract we had has been broken, right? And the loss and the grief that comes around that, and then the, oh no, now who am I now? What are we? All that, all that identity loss change, which is difficult. And if we look at COVID, right, and what it means of, you know, my business has been wiped out and, and loads of people are losing their jobs and losing their businesses. And and, and we're, we're very much often our identity is attached into what we do and who we're with, right? Yep, yep. I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm in relationship, I'm right, I'm employed, I'm a business owner, I'm a, right? Now, 
all of that when I was talking about the legitimacy, they were all legitimate places you could have gone, right? Yep. And that you didn't. You went into don't know what this is, not sure what it's going to be. This is someone I've cared about. They've cared about me. This is unfamiliar. Okay, let's try and hold through that. Mate, that's that's pretty much I think best practice, right? Now and there's Maybe, a, there's yeah. a courage in that, and, and I I don't think unless you make the deliberate choice of I'm going to look at the best in this, we can get through to that. Now, that, something else that you just said, and I'm, I want to challenge you on, have you said potentially, perhaps, possibly a best outcome? Mate, you are in a functioning communication relationship with the mother of your children, right? Your children are able to move without complexity and grief and challenge between your two homes, yep. between their two homes. You don't get to call that anything other than the fucking fantastic outcome, right? Fair. You don't get to call anything that. And, yep. and the one thing I learned out of breaking up with my daughter's mom, and we've been apart 10 times now, longer, oh no, 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 sorry, it's been, anyway, it's been much, much longer that we were apart than we were together, right? right. Three times now. <laughs> now, <clears throat> She is one of the most valuable and important people in my life. She's probably my, you know, my closest friend, right? Which doesn't mean we spend lots and lots of time together, which doesn't mean that she knows everything about me, but it does mean that, that I can absolutely rely on her and she knows just how limited I am. She knows all of my limitations, right? And somehow she chooses to care about me and love me despite that and sometimes even because of that mm -hmm. right? now what i learned from the 20 years of not being together but being joined by the the parenting of our daughter and then also her two children that she had when i met them who are now you know big grown-up functioning adults who chose when they didn't need to they chose to keep me in their life mm -hmm. now what, I, what i've learned from that time with her is if you want to be a good dad Job number one, love your kid's mum. That's job number one, right? And 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 if and, and that often might mean putting on the rose-tinted glasses because there's lots that you and I could object to in and about each other, mm. right? Never mind to someone that we know as well as we know the other parent of our children, our former lover, our former life partner, our former completely engaged collaborator. There is so much we can see in them that we could pick and dislike. But if the number one job of a dad is first love your children's mother, right? They they're going to be all right, you know. The, and and that that doesn't mean you have to accept and celebrate everything, but it does mean on the things that you don't accept and don't celebrate, then employ Saint food, you know, like shut the fuck up, actually, <laughs> right? I, I love Saint food, right? Saint food is has taught me so much. And, and if with my parent, no, if, if there is something that is not loving, then I just employ Saint Fu. And oh my goodness, how does that help? Because for, for my children, for our children, it just makes everything happier and better and healthier for them. Mm. Their mum are able to feel that I love and support their mum. When mum's not around, it helps mum see through and past the difficulties and challenges that I have inflicted on her life. Yeah. 
really wise words. Hey, Giles, it's um, it's approaching ten past two. Um, you talked about one of the. There's been only a couple of times in your life where someone has you know, meant to harm you, and I'm assuming one of those ones is the physical harm and the attack that we haven't talked about at all. I'd really like to talk to you about that at some stage, but I, I, I kind of wanted to throw back to you. Maybe, look, the, the thing I do love about this thing that I do now as well with this is we can talk again in a week or in 10 days or in two weeks or it just it doesn't matter. You know, I'm having people come in again and, you know, I've got Marta Davidson in next week on, on this and she was in six months ago and it's just what we do. So what I was going to say, based on our conversation previously of finishing up around two, is do you want to catch up again in a couple of weeks' time and we can kind of do part two and we can talk about the other part of this conversation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, around having had brain injury <clears throat> from assault is less about what happened and more about what the experience of it is now day to day. So, you know, chronic, you know, you, you, you've had experience with, with health conditions. And what has interested me and the gift that came with my brain injury, and I, I, I resent it, I hate it, I don't want to be brain injured. Um, you know, I would like to have a full day where I don't have to nap, and I would like to, anyway. <clears throat> but what it has gifted me is I get to have conversations with people with chronic health conditions, mm -hmm. and, and those might be diabetes, right? They might be an amputation, right? There's a bunch of things that people have, you know, it could be PTSD, all, all sorts of things that people have. But what's been really interesting to me is <clears throat> what it is to live every day with an imposed restriction, you know, and, and that has got me really interested in resilience. Yeah. <clears throat> and, I'm, and I'm really interested now as we come through COVID where lots of people are going to lose our identity in terms of our income, our homes, our work, our businesses, and out of that, lots of relationships will fail or change. So I'm really interested in that concept of how do we get through this shit, mm. you know? And, and probably brain injury introduced me to that, where I, yeah, I couldn't have the life that I was used to and wanted. And I look at other people who have a full day at work and then do something social in the evening. I'm like, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, and it's so foreign to me. So yeah, love to have that that um, quarter all conversation at some time, Pat. Yeah. So let's let's uh, let's. I mean, like it's, it just goes to prove what we try and do, and this is sort of one of the the big parts of your life, and you work in an area. Uh, you know, there's a trust that you work for. Is that is that correct? The Headway Trust. Oh, uh, that, yeah. That that's. I mean, that's just. I don't work for them. I just support them with. Right. Because I've had brain injury for a long time, and and others get brain injury new, and it's like, hey, it's pretty shit, but it's not all shit. Well, if people like people Google your name. That's one of the things that does come up. And as per this thing we do call the Department of Conversation, we haven't even touched on it. So maybe we pick up again in a few weeks, a few months, or whatever, and we we aim to start the conversation having a chat about that because I think it would be a really interesting chat you know, for you to explain and for other people to understand and and we go with that. So I, I, I think that um, that's what we should do rather than continue on now because, yeah, i got to go check if my kids' rooms are tidy. That's really what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> and then i got to finish. Put the rest, for people, put the rest of the glasses on and the rooms will be tidy, brother. <laughs> obviously for um, people that know this, but we were – we were going to change the time of this to earlier, and I messaged you back saying, oh, I'm in bed still. <laughs> um, but the reason I was in bed still was I stayed up really late last night with my two eldest, who are uh, 16 and 13 going on 14, and I showed, awesome. them hot, I showed them hot fuzz. 
and um, I got to watch the second half, <laughs> second half of Hot Fuzz, and then we started talking about Simon Pegg's uh, Cornetto trilogy. So today, this afternoon, might be put the fire on, finish Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, followed by At World's End. So I've got a big afternoon planned, which I need to probably go and get on with. <laughs> hey, uh, Joel, it's been a pleasure, mate. Uh, lovely to catch up, and um, thanks for uh, chatting Love with me. All right, team, there we go. Big thanks to Tim Giles there. Um, lovely, lovely man and a lovely time to chat with him as well. Hey, if you want to find out more about what we're doing, you could always head to our Patreon to check us out, patreon.com forward slash the D-O-C-N-Z. And uh, on there, you will find out more about how you can be involved with helping us make what we make, if you chose to. But most importantly, I hope you just enjoyed that episode. Speaking of episodes, coming up uh, in this week is going to be very interesting. Uh, on Friday of this week, we've got Marama Davidson, co-leader of the Greens, going to be joining us in the live stream. Also, Dave Rubin on Thursday. He's an American political commentator and author. Interesting thing about Dave is he's gone from the... Um, left to the right. So he's bringing an interesting perspective there. Um, and on Wednesday, we're going to have Mark Sargent, who I'm calling the Flat Earth Daddy. If you have seen Behind the Curve, the documentary on Netflix, he's one of the main uh, cast or characters in there. Not that he's a character, he's a real person, it's a documentary. His name is Mark Sargent, and he's probably the world's most famous Flat Earther. He's going to be on Wednesday. Now, just about that episode, we are going to do Facebook premiere with that episode. Uh, we're not going to live stream it. Now, People may question that and may question me why. Literally the only reason is I'm using Zoom to uh, record these. And when I try and share a screen in Zoom with my broadcast software, I get a conflict. So I'm going to record it first in Zoom and then I'll open, uh, I'll load it up completely unedited and try to get that, that up about uh, 3 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. Now next is John Stockdale. John Stockdale is an interesting character as well. He is involved in the startup world. He's done a whole bunch of things, including uh, working with the guys from Burning Man. He was an engineer at Facebook. Uh, he's now uh, sorry, New Zealand-based, Queenstown-based for the COVID-19 lockdown. And we will be catching up with John Stockdale next. All right, team, be safe, wash your hands, hug a loved one, watch something on the telly that makes you laugh. And until next time, hooroo!